0: I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 31 and to the end of the chapter. If you've got a church Bible, then it's on page 1135 in the normal sized Bibles and page 1718 if you have one of the large ones. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. And the heading is More Than Conquerors. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thanks, John. Great words
1: from Romans chapter eight. Let's pray together with those words in mind. Father in heaven, we thank you again for your tremendous love for us. A love so strong, a love so deep, a love so wide, a love so high. And thank you, Father, as we read in these verses that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for the sufficiency of his death. Thank you for the way that you keep your people through all the trials and the challenges of life. And thank you for the joy of full assurance that your word speaks of. So again, Father, as we come to your word now, as we explore the subject before us, would you be at work by your spirit in our hearts, helping us to understand these things and look to you for our joy, for our salvation, and for our assurance in all of life. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Well, our question this evening, as you've heard already, is this. Can a born-again Christian lose their salvation? Can a true, authentic follower of Jesus who has trusted in his death and resurrection and been given new life, can that person then lose their salvation? Well, the answer to that question biblically is a resounding, clear, emphatic, joyful, and glorious no. Born-again people... Cannot be unborn again, precisely for the reason that the life that God imparts to us upon new birth is in fact, eternal life. Have a look at this verse on the screen here, one John chapter five. All the verses that we 're going to be thinking about this evening are going to be on the overhead because we 're going to move around at a decent pace uh, this evening as we think about the breadth of what the Bible has to teach on this subject. but here 's John, this is what he says, and this is the testimony. God has given past tense us eternal life and this life is in his son you see the life that god has already given us is indeed eternal life as christians we're not given some sort of temporary spiritual life now and then eternal life comes at some time in the future eternal life has already begun Yes, of course, things will change when we leave this life and enter glory. But right now, for the person who has trusted Christ, who is born again, has received the Spirit into their hearts, we're in a living relationship with our Creator that will last right into eternity. We'll have a look at these words again in Romans chapter 8, just before the ones that we've had read to us. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Those whom God calls, he justifies, with no one dropping out in between. Those he justifies, he glorifies with nobody dropping out in between. There are no dropouts. Nobody slips through the net in God's salvation timeline. What God has begun in predestination, he will finish in glorification. You see, that moment when the Spirit comes to live in your heart, when you are born again, it's like a nuclear reaction begins in the human heart. It's an unstoppable process of being transformed into the likeness of Christ, and it will finish with one big glorified bang in the new creation. When we see Jesus face to face, and we are changed in the twinkling of an eye. And the Apostle Paul makes the same point, doesn't he, in Philippians 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Not might, or may possibly, or could do, we'll see. Perhaps he will. What God has started, what God has begun in the human heart, he will complete. Can a born again Christian lose their salvation? The answer biblically to that question is a clear, resounding, emphatic, joyful, and glorious no. Or we'll take a look at these words that we looked at a few weeks ago as we worked through a little series in John chapter 10 words of the Lord Jesus My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. What wonderful words of assurance they are, aren't they? From the lips of the Lord Jesus, the father and the son have perfectly secure hands, safe hands. For those of you who've grown up playing or watching cricket or a similar sport like that you'll be familiar no doubt with the little phrase safe hands those people that are good at catching and don't drop balls they get called safe hands but of course however safe their hands are everyone drops a ball right at some point but when it comes to a human soul God hasn't just got safe hands. He's got perfectly secure hands. No one will be lost from the loving and tender grip of the Father and the Son. Just want to read you a few words um, from this commentary by Milne. The, the words from, actually from J.C. Ryle. And the words that made me smile uh, as he comments on this passage. And I hope they make you smile as well this evening. Christ declares that his people will never perish. Weak as they are, they will be saved. Not one of them shall be lost and cast away. Not one of them shall miss heaven. If they err, they shall be brought back. If they fall, they shall be raised. The enemies of their soul may be strong and mighty, but their saviour is mightier. And none shall pluck them out of their saviour's hand. Can a born-again Christian lose their salvation? Biblically, the answer is no. Or take these words, we keep going from Jeremiah 32, verse 40. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them, and I will inspire them to fear me, so that they will never turn away from me. In these few verses, God is looking forward to the new covenant, when by his Spirit he will be actively at work in the hearts of his people, preserving his people. Can you see that there on the screen? I will inspire them to fear me. Why? So that they will never turn away from me. God, by his Spirit, inspires a reverent fear in the human heart that will stop people turning fully away from him. The New Testament covenant is one of preservation of a God powerfully and lovingly sustaining faith within us. Well, lastly, take a look at the words of Ephesians chapter 1, which are really a New Testament application of those words there in Jeremiah. And you also, speaking to the Christians in Ephesus, were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed you were marked in him, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. See the words there in that little passage which reek of security, marked, sealed, a deposit, a guarantee. You see all those who've been included in Christ having believed are marked in him, with a seal. And what is that mark? What is that seal on the believer's life? Well, it's not an outward mark that's washed away on a rainy day. It is an inward reality. The seal is the Holy Spirit, who comes to dwell within us as a deposit, guaranteeing the inheritance which is to come. And as Christians, as those who've been born again into a living hope, we have that deposit. And therefore, we have God's cast iron guarantee of our future inheritance. Can a born again Christian lose their salvation? The answer biblically to that question is a resounding, clear, emphatic, joyful, and glorious no. And I could keep on going text after text that speaks of God's wonderful, preserving, assuring faith in the lives of Christians. So in theory, I could just sit down now, right? There's the question, and there's the answer. But of course, it probably leaves some of us scratching our head a little bit, right? Because we all know people, probably in our lives, who were once outwardly committed to Christ, walking joyfully, so it seemed, with the Lord, professing faith publicly maybe going through the waters of baptism making that public statement that I love Christ and I follow Christ and I want to live for Christ but now as far as we can see have little or no concern for the things of Christ and I imagine most of us in this room can think of people right now near to you dear to you possibly who fit into that category Two come to mind for me straight away. One lad who was involved in the youth work back in Cambridge a good number of years ago came to faith through a number of years of reading the Bible, baptised him, continued to disciple him and only to see him wander away from the Lord about age 16 or 17 after five years of investment. As far as I know, he's not come back. Or another lad who was a Christian at university. I wasn't a believer at university. He was, he knew me. And because of his commitment, so it seemed to Christ, he knocked on my door, quarter to seven, almost every single Tuesday for three years, because CU started at seven. And it came to the point, 20 to seven, I'd hide under the windowsill. <laughs> I knew it was coming, the knock was coming every single Tuesday. He wanted me at CU, in Jesus. He wanted me to come along. He wanted me to have the faith he had. And I hid for three years. Now here I am, by God's grace, preaching from a pulpit. And two years ago, he turned his back on Christ. Chatted to him about four or five times in the last two years. Wants nothing to do with it anymore. It's not just 14-year-old boys. Not just friends at university. Prominent figures in the church. Ministers of the gospel. People who stood in pulpits and preached Christ for 30 years before turning their back on the living God and seemingly throwing it all away and some as far as we know have died in that condition so what do we make of that those initial verses that we read full of assurance God won't let anyone go but how does that truth of the preservation of the saints, that God will keep those he has called to himself, how does that fit with these real life testimonies that we could all, we've all got our own testimonies, no doubt? Well, we're going to look at two passages now, which I think will begin to help us answer that question. And it's no, by no means a full and complete answer, but I hope it begins to start that conversation as we can continue to, to work these things through. And the first passage is Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through to 6, that you can see there on the screen. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who've tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. You see, it is possible for people to receive significant blessings from God and to have significant experiences of God without being born again into a living faith that will last. And Judas, of course, is probably the clearest example of this in Scripture. Here's a guy who was singled out by Jesus... Here's a guy who was sent out by Jesus to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, to cast out evil. One of the original band of disciples. Here's a guy who in many ways was enlightened in Hebrew 6 language, who experienced the work of the Spirit all around him in life, who tasted the goodness of God's word in the teaching of Jesus himself as he followed him around, yet turned away from Jesus And went out into the night, never to return again. And so Judas is held up before us in scripture as a warning to us to check our hearts. Because spiritual experiences and a mere association with Jesus and his people does not equate to a genuine saving faith in Jesus. And Jesus himself makes the same point in Luke chapter 13. We read again. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you, or where you've come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. We ate and drank with you, these people say. We had fellowship with you. We went to church with you. We sat in home group with you. We prayed with you. We read the Bible with you. But these people, Jesus says, never really knew Christ. They were associating with the people of God and the things of God, but they never really trusted in Jesus. What a wake-up call those words are to the nominal church. You see, spiritual experiences and a mere association with God and the things of God and the people of God does not equate to a genuine, saving, born-again faith in Jesus all that matters is in the depths of your heart. Have you truly trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Because that is the only basis for your assurance. Secondly, the other passage that wants to focus on 1 John chapter 2 verse 18 and 19, and there's a, there's a lot of coming and going in this passage, but try and stay with it. Dear children, this is the last hour And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. There's lots of coming and going there, but who are they in verse 19, you see it underlined, they went out. Who are they? Well, it's the Antichrist of verse 18. It's those who are genuinely opposed to the work of Christ. And do you see where they went out from? They went out from us. These were people in the church who at one time looked the part just like Judas. They looked like one of us, but they did not really belong to us, so it says. They were never truly born again. And how do we know? For if they'd belonged to us, they would have remained with us. Can you see that? Those who are truly saved will remain. It was, in fact, their going, their leaving, that showed they never really belonged in the first place. So, where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us checking our hearts daily as we're encouraged to do in Hebrews chapter three. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end a saving faith is a faith which perseveres now of course there'll be wobbles in the christian life right full assurance doesn't mean you won't have doubts full assurance doesn't mean there won't be periods of your life when you seem to lose something of that spiritual zeal full assurance doesn't mean that you won't deny jesus at times with your words and with your actions just look at the apostle peter We were there in the morning just a couple of weeks ago. He denied his Lord and Master on three occasions in his time of greatest need. He failed Jesus again and again, yet was restored. Because deep down in his heart, despite his wayward behavior, he truly loved his Lord. And in the language of Hebrews 3, verse 14 there, he held on to that conviction firmly to the very end. And so if you're asking the question this evening, am I saved with any sense of concern whatsoever? Could I ask you to turn your attention away from yourself because that's not where your assurance lies. We'll all have doubts. (laughs) We'll all have bleak periods, wilderness periods in our life. There'll be moments when we feel like we're wandering in our life and wandering in our hearts, but that is not the basis for our assurance, the basis For our assurance is the finished work of Jesus. That's where our assurance lies. And we need to turn our attention to him, the great high priest who laid down his life for us. And so we're going to finish by looking at those words. It's a little bit small, but I'm going to read it anyway to us. Those words that we began our service with, as I pray, we're encouraged by the insurance that God's word speaks of. And having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. What is our assurance based on? It is based on the blood of Jesus and the cast iron promises of God. And if you want two headlines this evening to summarize what's going on there, then it's these. The blood of Christ makes us safe. And the word of Christ makes us sure. The blood of Jesus is what makes us safe. Cast your minds back if you would, and you've, you've maybe heard this illustration from me before, but cast your mind back to the Exodus, where the people of God are in slavery in Egypt, and nine plagues have come and gone. And God has just promised the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn. But once again, as always, God is providing a way out for his people. So what does he say to the people? You remember the story? He says, kill the lamb a year old, lamb without blemish, and paint its blood on the doorframe of the house so that when the avenging angel comes through the lamb that night, it will pass over that house in judgment because blood has already been spilt there. And there is safety underneath the blood of Christ. Now put yourself in the shoes of a young Jewish boy, firstborn. And you hear that promise that God's coming in judgment that night. And you know he's good to his word. He's promised nine plagues and he's delivered all nine of them. And as a young Jewish boy, the firstborn, you go to bed that night. And there's something in you thinking, Oh, God's coming in judgment for the firstborn of every family and every life in this place. And the father detects it. And the father says to the son, Son, what's wrong? The son says, Well, you've heard the promise. God's coming in judgment this night. He says, Dad, I tell you what, I've had a bad day. I've lied to my mum, I've hit my sister, I've sworn, I haven't prayed. I've had a nightmare day, Dad. And God's coming in judgment this evening. And the father says to the son, says, son, you remember what we did earlier on this evening with the lamb? Where's the blood? It's on the doorframe, dad. And what did God promise? Well, he promised if there's blood, he's going to pass over this house. And the father said to the son, you are perfectly safe, son. Not on the basis of the day that you have had, But because of the fact that there is blood that is covering this house and you are safe because of the blood of Christ and how that child would have slept. Lovely night's sleep because the blood of Christ makes us safe. And secondly, the word of Christ makes us sure Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. God is good to his word. John Piper says in one of his books, God's current reliability is based on his past faithfulness. Throughout history, God has been good to his word. Whatever he has said has happened, not one. Not one of God's good promises has fallen to the ground unfulfilled. Whatever God has promised has come to pass. So why do we doubt him now? When God promises to us that he will finish what he has started in the human heart, he will finish it because God is faithful to his promises. And he will take us to heaven. And he will take us through death to glory. And it's a reality that a guy called John Rogers knew all too well. John Rogers was a guy who was martyred during the English Reformation because he wouldn't deny Jesus. And in the words of one eyewitness, he went to his death as if he was walking to a wedding, so certain he was that he was about to come face to face with the bridegroom himself, the Lord Jesus, and to sit down at the heavenly wedding banquet that he walked to the stake like a bride walking up the aisle to meet her groom. Such assurance in the face of death. So verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 10, let us draw near to God. Like John Rogers and like the many who have gone before us, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance of faith. Can a born again Christian lose their salvation? Well, I hope you've heard this evening loud and clear from God's word that the answer to that question biblically is a resounding, clear, emphatic, joyful and glorious no. Because the reality is it's not even me clinging on to Jesus. It's him clinging on to me and clinging on to you. And you know what? He will not let go. He will hold his people fast all the way to heaven.